friends, and welcome to Beauty The Interviews, a podcast production of The Beautiful Project, a grassroots storytelling initiative that invites women to belong in the world with substance and with strength. I am Sarah Stevens, founder of The Beautiful Project and your host for this podcast. Over the course of the past several months, I have sat down with women and asked them to share their body stories with me. We talk about everything in these interviews. We talk about bodies that are too fat or too thin or too black or not black enough, too strong, too weak. We talk about belonging and beauty and all of the ways that we've attempted to acquire both of these things. We invite each other to take up all of the space that our greatness requires, and we create safety for each other as we struggle against the dominant narrative that tells us to shrink in order to fit. These are our stories, these are your stories, and I am so glad that you're here with us. Today's interview is the fourth and final part in the series of interviews with the models of The Beautiful Project. In part three, we heard from Ramessa. Rue dove deep into the intersection between culture, religion, and how we understand belonging. She was brave and beautiful, open and tender, and if you haven't heard it, you should definitely drop in and check it out. Today's interview is with Courtney. Courtney is a fiery, brave, bold spirit who finds herself right in the middle of figuring out how she wants to live in the world. She has a particular gift for self-reflection, with wisdom and insight far beyond her years. She's also a really gifted storyteller, weaving together a narrative about black girl hair and thin spirations and sorority life and the crippling impact of living into the expectations of everyone around her. This interview is such a gift. Courtney is such a gift. So let's drop in and unwrap this gift together. You're up. Courtney. (laughs) So I actually don't know Courtney that well. Uh, We have, we run in like sort of loosely connected circles. And Mm -hmm. so I heard about Courtney. I just said she was, she spoke at an event for me last week and when, it, when I introduced her, I was like, before we had coffee, I was like, this girl got a lot of hype, but I'm not sure if she can live up to all the hype. <laughs> um, she far exceeded the hype, actually, because the hype's just hype. And So Courtney and I had coffee, and it was uh, real and connected, and we actually uh, have very similar thoughts mm. about the world and how it operates. The matrix. And, yeah, the Matrix. We had a great conversation about the Matrix. Mm-hmm. That is literally a different podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that's where we could lose some folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we love, we both love yoga and meditation and breathing. Mm. And, and Courtney was getting ready to go to Bali. Super jealous still. <laughs> and so we've just had a little bit of intersection, but uh, for whatever reason, when I thought about who I wanted to be the face of this project, uh, Courtney was directly in my in my field of vision at that time, and so I'm excited to hear because I don't really know a lot about your story. I'm figuring it out <laughs> every day. That's totally fair. <laughs> so, um, what's the first question? Tell me about the first time that you realized that your body was different from other bodies. Um, I feel like I have a series of first times, but. The things that really stick out to me, I've always been very muscular. Mm-hmm. My parents are very muscular, and I, we always played sports, and we did gymnastics. And I was probably in first, first grade, maybe. And all the little girls are running around their little unitards, doing flips and everything. And my mom put us in shorts, because we had thick thighs and big butts and everything else. And 
the little unitards, even though they fit, they just cut into you. And I just yeah. remember being like, this, I shouldn't be looking like this. I've got shorts on. I've got to cover myself up. So something's different about me mm. and something is inappropriate or uncomfortable. And I was always a little uncomfortable and very conscious of that, very body conscious from a young age. And I'm the youngest of three girls. So I was also the tallest. My mom's 5'4", my sister's 5'3". Mm. My other sister's like around that same height. So I was very tall and no one kind of knew what to do with me. I was kind of, so I kind of followed my dad, very masculine, so there's no boys. Yeah. And so I always, I was a tomboy, but I always, and I was muscular and sporty. So I didn't know how to identify as girly or a woman, except for what I got on TV. Mm. So like Kelly Kapowski was like my first... Mm female, this is what a girl is like, role model. And I think my, a a huge thing for me body-wise was my hair. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that counts as like a body thing, but like black girl hair is like a whole other world to understand. And it had to be straight and long. Mm -hmm. And so we've, I, if this was a Sunday and I was seven, I'd be in my house doing the washing and like sitting in a chair with my mom with a little hot comb singeing my scalp as we like slowly straighten my hair and get ready for school that week and just having that straight hair was such a big thing it was like a status thing it was a it was everything like if you if my hair wasn't straight I I don't know what would have happened the I don't know I we just never had it like I just started growing my natural hair like a year ago and even my mom still can't like She's like starting to like get it and get used to it, yeah. and to get used mm-hmm. to something that is coming out of my body, my head. Yeah, that is like just this is how it is. Yeah, like that's been something I've had to get used to, and I, I'm now I love it. I would never have done it in college. I would never have done it in high school because I didn't want anyone to make fun of me or yeah. to feel left out. But that is all. I that's probably been the biggest time commitment, my financial commitment. <laughs> Goddamn hair. <laughs> so sick of it. <laughs> I've cut it off. I've covered it up. Like, that's been my biggest thing I had to cope with. And I'm getting to be more okay with it now. Yeah. Because it's just, this is it. This is it. This is how it comes out. So I'm going to go with it. How did you decide to, how did you get there where you went? I mean, that's a lifetime of programming of, like, singeing your scalp. It's a lot. And then that was before the perms. Then you do the perms. Oh, wow. That's a chemical straightening. And so you can get it wet, and it'll still stay straight. And I'm constantly being positively reinforced. So I was working in fashion, too, which is mostly white people and white ladies. Oh, your hair looks so good. You just get it done. Like, you know, it's flowing. And so I'm thinking, this is good. Like, people trust me. Like, I'm fitting in. Um, so I, I did grow my hair out naturally, but I kept straightening it. And so that wasn't really it. And then I cut it all off. That was great. But then I felt really masculine. Mm. And then I'm like, I'm a t-shirt and jeans sort of girl. So t-shirt and jeans and this like short haircut. No, I'm a lesbian. Yeah, totally. I was actually going to say, I probably wouldn't try to hit on you. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I'm just like, well, no one's getting me and no one's getting it. And so then I had the wigs and all this, and I'm not feeling like myself. And then I finally just was just like, I can't keep doing it anymore. So I kind of, well, having the store, not having to work with anyone and go to work or go to office 
I kind of grew it out. Mm. So that was like that's my hair story. That's like body sub sub body story. <laughs> but it's really about belonging. Yeah, that story is. is about belonging. And thinking like this is what this is the image that I need to have. Mm. And I've always played sports, and so like. I remember in high school, I had to take muscle milk. It got really bulky and really big. And I didn't think anything of it. And I got to college, and I was running track, and my coach pulled me aside and said, oh, we're going to need you to lose about 20 pounds, and, you know, kind of flatten this out, get this. And I was like, no one's ever said something like that to me. Like, I need to lose weight. And I, I'm from the Midwest, so we, everyone's kind of a little husky. Like, it's right. kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. And I was feeling okay. And then, so I was like, okay, I've got to lose weight. And I probably read all these uh, uh, memoirs on anorexia and bulimia because I was like, just don't eat. That's going to be my way to do it. So I worked out, and I stopped eating. And then I'm getting headaches, and I'm feeling like shit, and... Like, even trying to throw up in the bathroom after a meal, like, that wasn't working. Like, my glands are swollen, mm-hmm. and, like, my it's terrible. My skin's breaking out, and I, I feel awful. And I'm supposed to be, like, going to school, getting good grades, and I'm, like, literally every day job of managing this yep. weight. Yep. And so that, I don't, I don't even know how I, I th- I've always journaled, so I, I started journaling, and I used to keep track of like my weight, what I ate that day, how I worked out, and that even that nothing was working for me. I wasn't losing the weight. I wasn't feeling any better. Um, I used to watch these um, thin inspiration videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I Facebook came out my junior year of high school, mm-hmm. and but before that, everyone had Zanga. So it's like this whole internet world. You can access anything you wanted. So thin inspiration, literally like anorexic bulimic girls, pictures of them. Um, skinny tastes nothing tastes as good as skinny feels mm-hmm. I would spend hours on these blogs mm-hmm. trying to really like condition myself to get thin because if I'm thin I'll be successful if I'm thin I'll be happy mm-hmm. and like all of these other things and I did that for a, probably two two and a half three years and I'm in college so I don't have my parents over my back kind of watching me so I really feel like I'm being independent making these adult decisions so wrong and then did you lose weight um I've always stayed around 130 150 so no I didn't it didn't really matter that I was starting it didn't myself. I was just really really ups- I was really sick and I always had headaches I remember that yeah I could never I could not stop having a headache I tried smoking cigarettes I tried like the energy drinks like all this stuff because that I'm seeing other people do thinking it's gonna work for me mm-hmm. and I was never happy mm-hmm and I kept thinking, like, well, this is a process. Like, uh, this pain, beauty is pain, pain is beauty, all this stuff. And so I went through that, and then I started to have, I quit track. And that was my mm-hmm. freshman year. I did it. I, I quit after my freshman year. Still had that lagging. Well, I still got 20 pounds to lose because apparently, like, my stomach's not flat. I've never had, like, abs or anything like that. So... That was a goal that I just had to have because I thought that would be, like, me being, like, the epitome of what they were looking for or success or whatever. And then I kind of threw all that away, and I adopted this, like, party party girl persona who I don't care, so I'm Mm -hmm. drinking. I'll do whatever I want. And that was a really unhealthy way to have relationships and to have 
to care about myself and my body. I just thought like this, like if I was sick or hungover, my head was hurting. Uh, it makes sense because that's, that's the cool thing to do. That was like the story I was telling myself. And me all all the, the while I've got this whole hair situation that I'm dealing with <laughs> and, and the starving yeah yeah I'm hungry my head is my scalp is burning <laughs> yeah I've got a headache I just and I just wanted to be like have this sense of freedom and I never quite reached it and I thought if my hair is long and straight mm. I'll be Kelly Kapowski in a convertible mm. having a good time and it just never, I never felt like that. I just felt kind of, and I, and the worse, the more I did it, the more I wanted to insulate myself from my friends and other people. Mm-hmm. And then I joined a sorority and yeah. that was like boot camp for anorexia, bulimia and drinking. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm still, I'm kept, you know how you start, have an interest and you keep finding like-minded people. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. And so I, we're all kind of feeding each other's insecurities which in a way it's nice to have the camaraderie, but in another way it's extremely unhealthy. And so once I left college, I started to spiral out of control (laughs) even more. (laughs) And I I left New York and then I went back and I'm I'm still working this fashion world where you're being skinny and thin and a little bitchy is okay and it's almost like revered. And so I'm, but there's this like outside person watching me saying, you're not happy. And like, why are you doing this? And like thinking, oh, I'm skinny. Therefore I'm better. And I really didn't like that mentality, even though it was me that's doing it. It felt like I was almost outside, outside myself seeing like this person who thinks, oh, she's worked so hard at the gym and she's not eating anything. And therefore she is better and deserves this over someone else and like the fashion world is I, I was at Banana Republic it's not like I was at Chanel or something like mm-hmm. uh, but still everyone's kind of rewarding that sort of behavior and attitude and I really really hated it and like, I'm able to I have like my journals all over but I've, I'm able to look back and see that those thoughts and those thinkings and I still have it in that my, my gut feeling is telling me mm-hmm. you know that's not right and I left and so that was, I quit my job and that's what brought me here. And having my store downtown was kind of like my insulating experience of, I can let my hair grow out. I can wear the clothes I want to wear. I can eat what I want to eat. And as long as I'm feeling good. And so I, start, I started to slowly turn into actually finding out who, what, what Courtney really looks like, what Courtney really talks like, what mm. Courtney like how she actually behaves and that is something I'm still figuring out so so it's new to you yeah very new which is so perception is just it's a remarkable thing so my experience of you the first time I met you is that you had a tremendous amount of grounded rooted self-assured sort of like this is who I am Mm. um it didn't feel new it felt it felt old and wise to me Mm -hmm. actually so Maybe it's not necessarily about the length of time or how much we have figured out. It's just tapping into the energy at all of going. I mean, maybe it started the second you went, I'm going to go ahead and stop burning my scalp. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I just shared a story in the newsletter. um, So it's not on, I'm not sharing everything on social media, but I told this story about this woman who um, her mom 
uh, came to visit her after she had a baby, and mm-hmm. she took her to Target to do some shopping. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this girl, was, this woman, was super excited. She was like, she's going to buy me, like, what's she going to buy me? She took mm-hmm. her to the lingerie section. She was like, new bras, jammies? And her mom um, took her to the girdles and said, if you buy one of these and put it on, if you wear it every day, it'll, your stomach will go back to normal. And so she talked to me about the experience of going home and crying and tearing up the tags mm-hmm. and stepping into this girdle. And she said something. I felt like we weren't even on this planet when she said it. She goes, all I remember is that it hurt my insides. Right? And as I heard you t- telling the hair story, mm-hmm. it reminded me so much of that. Like, I'm going to burn my scalp to get my hair to do the ideal thing. Or I'm going to eat three items. Or I'm not going to eat. I, did, I went through two years where I didn't eat. I mean, didn't eat. Now, I never got thinner than 135 pounds. I'm <laughs> eating, like, 400 calories a day. My body doesn't want to be thin. It just <laughs> doesn't. And your hair doesn't want to be straight and all the things that we do to, that hurt our insides, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your wisdom feels old to me. It feels like there's a lot of self-awareness. So you tapped into something. Mm-hmm. It's For a sure. lot. It's the journaling. And I I think that this gut instinct that I've been ignoring mm. and thinking, I got a, I've got a better way. I can figure this out. And you can only fake it for so long. It's yep. exhausting. Yep. And I feel like I finally had that. I think I just need the alone time because I'm the youngest of three. And I was good at sports. I was good at school. So I've always, I feel like there's always eyes on me, always people watching me. And I've never had that moment just to be by myself and have a vulnerable moment. I feel like I've always had to be strong or not caring or performing in some way and making people happy and making them proud and all these things. And I just never been able to just have that time to myself. And all the while I'm going through like all these things and people are thinking, oh yeah, Courtney, she's doing really good. Like she's got it together. So yeah, I've got to come out and I've got to be good and I've got to have it together. And then I get like eight hours to go go to sleep and get mm-hmm. up and do it the next day. I'm having another epiphany about perception. When I talk about height, that's that is the like even the there's like a local story about Courtney Lofton. There really is. Mm-hmm. And it is that. It's like Courtney's got her shit together. Like mm-hmm. and she weird. I didn't even I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm sure you are so tired. God, I feel terrible for mentioning the height. No, I, I, I thought coming home. And, like, from the smaller town, it'll be really relaxing, open, like, a nice little boutique, and it was the exact opposite. Yeah. It's, like, twice as much work, because it's way more personal. Yeah. And my mom's been here almost her whole life, and so people are not only expecting, you know, the denim production manager to do this, they're expecting Courtney Loft and Lauren and Lee's daughter, who live on 18th Avenue, and she went to Rocky, to do all of this stuff. And... I get, and people have this idea of who you are and who you have been. So who I was in high school yep. and who I was in grade school. And you almost get right back into it because yep. those expectations are there and like the blank space is there. So they want you to fill it. And then you start doing stuff you don't want to do and being someone you don't want to be. And it's like, okay, hang on. I've spent like eight years away trying to figure this out. Please don't turn me back into someone who's going to straighten her hair and get wasted with you. Yeah. Just because that's what you remember me as. Makes me think about the, pro- you know, I hear a lot about the process of unbecoming, you know? Mm. And so as I listen to you, it's like you're peeling off 
the layers of the things you're unbecoming but that thing. yeah I'm really excited to see what's underneath all that I'm excited that the store is closed and I don't have to keep yep yeah I thought that'd be a fresh start and it really wasn't I'm excited the store's closed now too <laughs> I have no idea now I'm like there's no hype and there's no store whatever <laughs> that's really good yeah. thank you um, I already have the answer to the second question about changing your body. I know that story because mm-hmm. you just shared it. So what do you think it means to be full? I think what I thought it meant was to be overflowing. Mm. So full, you're sharing, you're overflowing with kindness, generosity. And that's what I came home trying to do, and I ended up just emptying myself out. I'm drained. I have nothing. I literally feel like I've got nothing left to give, mm. and I'm in the process of feeling again and filling up again and I feel like to be full is to be joyful and to be able to share in that overflowing sense without emptying yourself out Mm. so I'm trying to figure out that balance Mm -hmm. that's really good yeah do you have anything else you want to add Mm. I don't I I just will say journaling has been huge for me Mm mm-hmm and I've done it, like I said, since the second grade. And I've, I've gone to therapy once. Me and my mom were mortal enemies for a while there. Um, but when I, I feel like I'm able to, it's like my therapy to journal. Mm-hmm. And it's the self-reflection, but also looking back years from now to see kind of where I've come. I don't know whatever possessed me to do it, but I've always done it. And I, it's been amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's a really important practice to me, too. I wish I had done it when I was in second grade and kept it, but I, just not the space I was in. It's critical for me. There's there's nothing like um, looking back. Sometimes we can get lost easily and start to, like, drown a bit in the thought of, like, have I, have I been in the same place forever? I mean, has there been mm-hmm. any movement or any anything, right? Mm-hmm. It is remarkable to me to read back just two years ago and go, oh my God, I thought like that? Yeah. What the hell was that? You know? In a loving way, mostly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but sometimes not. I'm like, wow, what was that woman? Um, so it's pretty awesome, I think, to have a chronicle of all the things you've become and unbecome. Thank you for that gift. That's all that's so good. So you guys, I don't even have words for... <laughs> who you are and how you are to me I'm just very grateful for you so um, the thing that struck me as each of you talked is that um, you all you all look very different you all have very different life circumstances and there's so much overlap in the narrative which just circles back to the thing that I believe if it's possible to create a common narrative with women who look different have different backgrounds have different current lives if it's possible to create that narrative, then it's possible to create a counter-narrative for, that, can, that can appeal the same way that the shitty one has appealed to everybody. We just need more voices in the chorus. So thank you for lending yours to the work that we're doing. All right, friends. That's it for part four of the model interviews and the end of this four-part series. Thank you to Courtney for bringing your wisdom and your honesty. You have such a beautiful ability to narrate some really formative parts of your life, and I am certain that other women will hear their own realities in your stories. And a huge thank you to all of the models for the ways that you've made the beautiful project so beautiful. You've pushed past your discomfort, 
You have bared your bodies and your beauty. You have been vulnerable and tender. And you've done all of this because you believe that there just might be a different way for women to belong in the world. I'm so very grateful to each of you. If you think you might want to hear more stories from women about their bodies, about beauty, and about belonging, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. If you loved today's episode, take a second and leave a review so that other people will be able to find us. You can find out more information about the beautiful project in the show notes. Thank you for joining us today and lending your voice to our chorus of courage as we create a world where women belong with substance and with strength. See you all soon.